back to other planets. So there's Venus, there's Mars. Are there other planets? Yeah, might have? we have um, a lot of life on Mars, of course. You have Venus, Mercury, but also right outside the orbit of Mars is a planet that nobody ever talks about. That's well documented. It has more fresh water on it than Earth. And that planet is really? called Ceres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called Ceres. C-E-R-E-S. C-E-R-E-S, Ceres. Um, and it's a small planet, but it's just outside the orbit of, uh, it's really the fifth planet, to be honest with you. Uh, and it's, uh, it's got these amazing lights on when, the, um, when we sent the probe by it a few years ago. And they appear to be artificially, artificial lights. These, you know, so it appears like there's maybe active cities or something on this planet. And they try to downplay it and say, oh, maybe it's the sun reflect, re- reflecting off of, um, off of ice particles. You know, they try to come up with anything they could. But, but, but based on the angles and based on the imagery over a course of time as it made the approach, the, the probe made the approach, the, um, the lights never changed and the shadow never changed, which means that these were actually artificially lit areas or something that's glowing in a way that appears to be artificially lit areas, but the planet itself has more fresh water on it than, than Earth. Yeah. And, you, and they don't even hardly talk about it. Serious. I mean, I don't even know if it's in any high school books yet. It may, maybe it will be by now, but yeah. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Amazing planet. Yeah. I've never, I've never, this is the first time I've heard of it actually. Yeah. Then right after yeah. Ceres, we have the asteroid belt. The asteroid belt was a planet named Tiamat, according to the Enuma Elish. And that was a water bearing world with a lot of solid land as well, about six times larger than Earth. It was said that it was so beautiful when the sun would shine on it because the sun of it, uh, the sun gleaming off the water would rival the own sun's glory, according to the ancient tablets. So this was a beautiful place to view from Earth and other places, um, almost like you know, the way that it would reflect the light from the water, almost like having another sun in the sky, really. A massive planet, which, uh, according to the Enumi Elish, exploded. And some interpret it different ways. Some interpret it as it collided with the moon of Nibiru and exploded. And mm-hmm. some interpret it as, because of the way that it's worded, as a galactic war that happened and a massive weapon was used on it, which caused it to explode. But it became the asteroid belt, which is what's out there now, right after Ceres. And then, you know, then beyond there, you have the gas giants, you know, Saturn, Jupiter, and Neptune, and Uranus, and so forth. And then mm-hmm. the very edge, you have Pluto, we have a couple other small planets on the outside of Pluto as well, which nobody really talks about. But when we went by Pluto, we got the first ever high-quality HD images. I couldn't believe they sent them back uh, about three years ago. There's anomalies on Pluto that we discovered all over the planet, uh, and some of them are pyramids. So what are pyramids doing on Pluto? Incredible. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Um, a lot to think about. So, you know, okay, so there's life out there, but, you know, when we see, like, you know, say Mars, you know, it's mostly in ruins. I have my theory. I want to hear your theory on it. Uh, and um, I'm I'm just downloading some information um, from you, through you. Um, um, but why is Mars, say, mostly in ruins or, you know, relics? Well, you know, you know, because it was a, a lot of war. So we had this, um, we had two pyramid wars in the ancient text. And uh, the last pyramid war was during the rule of Amun-Ra. Now, Amun-Ra is also known as Marduk. He had two names. He called himself Marduk, and he was also Amun. Uh, and 
this is actually, he was the one who ordered people to say amen at the end of prayers to give him thanks. That's how it got. And it got oh, really? Yeah. So when you oh, okay. giving thanks to a brutal killer ruler who, uh, you know, he's the one who had all the different gods that were in hieroglyphs, faces etched away and chipped off and all the noses chipped off. It didn't happen in more modern times. This stuff is ancient. I've been to these temples all over the world and into Egypt and all the different areas. And all the homeborn archaeologists would say the same thing. Amun-Ra told Akhenaten to have these faces removed. So, um, but anyway, um, uh, the point I was trying to get to was that, um, uh, what was the line of questioning again on the, you know, Mar hey, Mars? So, oh, Mars, like yeah. just relics, you know, just. He started, he started these wars against his relatives on Earth. And some of his relatives had bases on Mars. They were mining Mars and Earth for resources to take back mm -hmm. to their planets. Uh, some in the Orion and some in this planet named Nibiru that orbits around the star and some in the Sirius system as well. So it was a big mining operation going on here for all types of ores and stuff like that, not just gold. There were many things they were mining. <laughs> then these working class, EGG, uh, the Anunnaki called the EGG, they wanted to go to war. And uh, then the other, uh, his other relatives all wanted to be, you know, proclaimed as gods over the people that they ruled over. And he got jealous of all of this and said, I want it all. Everybody needs to worship me. I'm the one and only God. I'm the only one that should be getting worship. I'm the only one that everybody should answer to. And he started going to a war against his own relatives, all these other people on Earth, on the moon, and on Mars. There were bases on the moon as well, because it makes sense to have a uh, base on the moon because the launch capabilities are extremely easy because of both gravity. So, between the three, Mars, Earth, Mars, and Earth, Moon, and Mars, there were these battles going forth. And you can find relics of damaged uh, anomalies and broken anomalies on, on the moon, as mm -hmm. well as on Mars. And Mars, I think, whatever weapon they used. Now, modern peer-reviewed science discovered weapons-grade xenon in the soil. This is from the rovers, as well as from the global surveyor in the atmosphere as well. Yeah, weapons grade xenon. That's used in nuclear explode nuclear bombs. So now we have evidence that something happened so brutal to the planet that it shifted its crust slightly, which caused wow. a global flood, like a global tsunami, and that destroyed almost everything. And that's why it's like that right now. So, are there is there still life on Mars? There's some survivors yeah. up there now. There's images that we've downloaded to have anomalies that are looking at the camera on the rover. Now, I've never seen a statue that turns to look. We even have one that's facing away from the rover, and the anomaly turns and looks at the rover like this. Now, I've never oh, seen wow. a statue made like that before. I just never saw, I just never saw a statue made with a, that, I mean, why would you do that? Yeah. You know, so I think that mm -hmm. there's potentially life up there, or maybe uh, part of a breakaway civilization that is actually mm -hmm. us up there. Uh, mm -hmm. some, some of the, you know, conspiracies, like with alternative free and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. There could be some of us up there in an early, um, an early breakaway civilization that has been formed and infrastructure could be being developed up there to be able to take on these billionaires that are headed to Mars on a one-way trip, like Elon Musk and many others. Mm -hmm. So my theory on, on that, just tapping in, is that, you know how things decay? Mm -hmm. uh, decay is through a process of time and space. Yep. So basically a disconnect. And then as it removes itself from time, it starts to decay or vanish in front of us. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Because you'd have to have some kind of resonance or density, right? Or time to mm -hmm. resonate. And then that's where you get density mm -hmm. from what I see. Mm -hmm. um, 
so think of it this way. So some of the relics that you see or, you know, are on these photos. So say Mars, their time frame resonates at a higher frequency. And then since that is not, say, parts of a building or whatever it might be, um, they throw that away. So it starts to decay just like things decay here, right? buildings decay here on earth so basically time slows down or the frequencies slow down to a level that we can see it it comes into say our range of mechanisms of you know whether it's a camera or our eyes does that make yeah. sense oh yeah that's, i just did a whole lecture about that yesterday oh you didn't know damn <laughs> damn i thought it was my idea ah okay <laughs> no at least we can back each other up so that's that's the way I see, like, because they're resonating at a higher frequency, and that's why they're more intelligent um, than us, and so on, just because they're at a higher frequency. Uh, does that make sense? But we've actually, I think, for us, we're more intelligent because we've created more density. So although the price that we paid is that we're dumber because we can't access our complete, say, abilities yeah. to create this much density. So, um, but that's cool. I have to. I'll have to listen to your lecture. Yeah. On, on how that works. That's pretty well. Um, so, you, you, you know, you have a lot of stories, but is there like ancient text or books or anything like that to, you know, back this up? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the biggest ones that I recommend is the, uh, well, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. The Emerald Tablets of Thoth are uh, some of the oldest writings on this planet. I did a book Can you called... you spell that just for our audience? Yeah. E-M-E-R-A-L-D, Emerald Tablets, T-E-L-E-T-S, of T-H-O-T. And I did a book called Compendium of the Emerald Tablets so that I can break down what's in it because a lot of people were reading the Emerald Tablets but not really getting an understanding. There's more, only more getting the esoteric but not getting the scientific, the metaphysical, and the, um, the technology that was also inside of there. So I did a compendium of the Emerald Tablets, which has now broken down all the information in a way that the average person can not only understand it but then begin to recognize what's being, what's being used as tech what's being used as um, metaphysics, what's being, what's being taught as esoteric messages and everything else. And I also show side by side words in modern religious books and how those words were copied directly out of the Emerald Tablets, which predated mm -hmm. by thousands of years. Uh, so I did the companion, which is a bestseller right now on Amazon. It's doing phenomenal. I think I have 14,000 copies out now. Um, oh, wow. That's pretty well. Yeah, yeah. It's doing phenomenal. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, <laughs> you know, whew, the numbers are, are just incredible. And they just keep going up. I'm thinking, okay, you know, but it just keeps going up. You know, it's like 2,000 books a week now. It's like, wow, incredible. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. A lot of people are interested. That's people why you're here. here. Yeah. And then the Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets of Creation, I've done a lot of lectures on that. That's, uh, you know, ancient text that was discovered in cuneiform writing etched into stone. Uh, right in Iraq. They found about a million of these tablets there. This one particular writing is the Enuma Elish. And what's so amazing about it, Marduk, who's Amun-Ra, who made it into the, into the um, Torah and also into the, even the modern-day Bible, his name and his mm -hmm. information about him, is now all the way back in these ancient stone tablets that predate everything by thousands and thousands of years. Uh, and, you know, so, but that has so much information about the battle, the wars, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the, the masquerade of gods and how they used humans and how to genetically modify people to become slaves for them and all this other stuff. It's all in these ancient tablets. It's not even a conspiracy anymore. You know, and anybody mm -hmm. can translate them now because the UCLA has an online 
UCLA Cuneiform CDLI Library. And what you do is you go there and you take a stone off the virtual shelf and drop it into the translator and then you can the stone for yourself. You don't even need to worry about this and that and what, they, what their opinion was about it. You can read it yourself now. Really? Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, right. You can actually go do that on your own? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For free. <laughs> so where, where do you go? It's the UCLA CDLI okay. Cuneiform Library. It's online. Yeah. UCLA CDLI Cuneiform. That's pretty well. I got to check that out. Yeah, man. So, you know, you talk about the Bible. Um, I'm just going to read this. It says Genesis in the Bible talks about separating the waters from the waters yeah. and creating a firmament. Mm -hmm. So, you know, conspiracy theorists, they believe that this means we're living on a flat earth in a dome. Yeah. What do you? That information is taken directly. What you just read about the separating water from the waters, that's directly quoted directly from the Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets of Creation. Okay? Um, and so that is the, um, the part where Tiamat is talking about the part where they see they, they only took a small piece of it out. But if mm -hmm. there's a collision or a, an attack on Tiamat, the water world I told you about that turned into mm -hmm. the asteroid belt, it explodes. And now here's the separation of the waters from the water. Tiamat was the water world. So when it broke apart, a gigantic chunk of it swung away, gravitationally being falling towards the sun, found this orbit that we're in now. With all the water and organic material already on it, recoalesced into the planet, which we now call Earth. Earth wasn't mm -hmm. here during that explosion of Tiamat. Earth is a product mm -hmm. of that explosion. And Tiamat began to still break into more smaller and smaller chunks, which became the asteroid. But there are some very large ones, but not as large as our planet Earth. So, um, uh, so it, that's how we got Earth here. Now, when we swung and fell into this orbit, we pulled one of the moons of Tiamat with us, which is um, uh, our, our, our moon now. And that moon was, was gravitationally tugged with us into this position. That's why the moon has no... Uh, you know, geological material on it from the Earth. There's no ever a collision that created our moon with Earth and something else. That moon was pulled here from, uh, you know, from being ancient times and it was when we were part of Tiamat. And mm -hmm. this is why, and that's, that was what they, they were talking about in the new militia. They separated the waters from the water between the two uh, planets, water there and water here. And then the second part of the water was the atmosphere itself. So we have a separation between here and the heavens and it holds our water on our planet and it's all explained directly like that in the Enuma Elish. It has nothing mm -hmm. to do with a flat planet or a flat Earth or a flat world or nothing like that. Anybody who understands physics would, would never uh, understand. Yeah. Basic physics tell you that the universe works on spheres. Yeah. It's also, yeah, that's the most efficient yeah. exactly. form, object. So, um, so if Earth was a, is a piece, so what, what you just said, so there's no more pieces left of the original planet that Earth came out of? Or is there a larger chunk out there somewhere? Or The, the asteroid belt. All those pieces in the asteroid belt were part of Tiamat. Oh, okay. The asteroid belt Got is it. a gigantic ring of broken up pieces of a giant planet. And this is why if the, when the miners go into mines on Earth and they go down, you know, 300 million years, 500 million years in terms of Earth layers, they find mm -hmm. pottery and all kind of trinkets and things. They're going, what the hell is this? Do hammers and tools? How can this be? How can this be down here in 500 million year old layers 
Well, that's because that's a part of Tiamat. We're a part of T. We were a part of a planet that already had a civilization on it. And what you're finding mm. are relics from that planet on Earth. Mm. That's what you're finding. When we were part of another civilization in millions and millions of years ago. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I can I can see that. Oh, I lost my train of thought. So, well, anyway, proof of life. Because uh, mm-hmm. you say it's part of another civilization. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how could life persist in such, you know, inhospitable, like, conditions? Or maybe they did at one time? Or well, how, how does that we're work? Saying, we're thinking that they're inhospitable, but when you look at the, the science data from the Mars REMS, for example, it's a REMS unit that uh, takes the Mars weather on a daily basis, analyzes it, and transmits it to the surveyor, which transmits it back to Earth. So you have a weather, uh, a weather satellite, basically. The barometric mm-hmm. pressure is recorded. The oxygen levels are recorded. Carbon, all the gases, argon, helium, all that's recorded. And we now see that, in my opinion, if you're very close to the surface of the planet, like within no more than five to eight feet above the surface, but I'm six foot four, so not much taller than, not much higher than my head. Uh, you would be able to breathe. It's like being about 16,000, 17,000 feet above sea level on Earth. But the Tibetan monks don't have a problem breathing up there. So mm-hmm. yeah, we, me and you might need an acclimation pro- time period. But, oh, if, definitely. Yeah, but they're fine. Okay. Uh, so it's a very thin. And the closer you get to the ground, the thicker the atmosphere becomes. Matter of fact, if you're laying flat on your back, you wouldn't even have a problem breathing at all. So all you would need is like an acclimation mask. And the majority of the people from what I've seen now and my team, the United Family of Anomaly Hunters, we see that there appear to be these underground areas where people are going under. There's openings and what look like to be hatches that go beneath the surface. So the majority mm-hmm. of these survivors or maybe the breakaway civilization, whoever it is up there, seem to be living underground, uh, not above ground. Uh, uh, you know, so, and then on other planets, like, like I said, Mercury has more oxygen than we have here on Earth. They have liquid water, so they have exactly what they need to be able to survive there. And then Venus, I'm not exactly sure how they mm-hmm. survive. And if there really is a breakaway, uh, a greenhouse gas effect on the planet, that I don't know. All I know is what I saw and what anybody can go look at and see is that there appear to be intact building structures on the surface. So your research has made you and your team come to the conclusion uh, that there is intelligent life in the solar system. Mm-hmm. So uh, photographic proof, evidence? Yeah, well, we have tons of photos of what look like to be people. I mean, I don't know any way, other way to say it. Do we know for sure 1,000% that we're looking at people? We can't say that because we're not there. We're looking at photographic evidence. But we have, some of our data has made it to like ancient aliens and other shows, which look things that look like statues. And we can see something mm-hmm. that looks inanimate object and a lot of our anomalies are a lot very clear not this grainy we found clear a lot of clear clear things that you can see without Mm -hmm. using any kind of apparatus or or photoshopping and Mm -hmm. um we've so we've got a lot of statues we know what a statue looks like and we know what carvings look like but then we have things where we have what look like people that are look like they're moving or looking we even have this one that looks like a family of Three, two kids and a person that appears to be like a woman, just appears, mm-hmm. 
but is almost stunned at the rover because when the rover turns the pan to take this swath of imagery, they stand back against the wall and she's holding one hand of one kid and one hand of another kid of what looks like to be kids. We can't say they're kids, but what looks like to be kids and pinned up against the wall, almost like in fear. This is another picture we've got. We've got a picture of uh, what looked like a couple falling down on the ground and looked like they died right there. Kind of like a Mohenjo-Daro type of an incident, whether it's uh, whatever killed them, we don't know, but they're, they're laying side by side. Now, hundreds of anomaly hunters now all over the world have gone through the same image number and found it and documented it. Sometimes we come up with different perceptions of what's there, but everybody comes up with the same one on this, on this image. Uh, so, you know, and then also there's a, a riverside, what looks to be a riverside now, uh, with these look like to be mammals um, at the edge of the water that I've that I mm-hmm. So, so there's so much going on here, and you're going, how can it be this? If, we, if it's a cold, barren, dry, cold rock with nothing on it, and, and, and I get um, um, uh, an image that has, that's less than, uh, less than a square mile, or less than a quarter of a, square of a mile, why am I finding hundreds of things in that? I should, if I find one or two things, okay, yeah, it's just a coincidence. But when you can find hundreds of things in a small area, then you got to say, wait a minute, something is going on here. We've got to analyze this better because something is truly here. You can find hundreds of anomalies in this small square patch of an image. And then for every square you go, you keep finding more. It's really bizarre. It's really something active going on. So, so, so they're more humanoid, humanoid shapes. Yeah, humanoid shapes. I think they're bilateral, bipedal, you know, humanoids. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know if they're a different type of hominid, but they appear to have two arms, a face with two eyes. They have clothes on. Why, why are they wearing clothes? They're not animals. Um, mm-hmm. It's in what appear to be looking like women. They have one garb that looks like what a woman would wear. And the guys that are, you know, people that look like men are wearing what mm-hmm. looks like what a man. So it's so bizarre. But when you look at the Enum Elish and the seven types of creation, the Ijiji, after they came here and was getting ready to go to war against Enki and Enlil, when they were genetically modified humans on the planet and create a worker race, these Ijiji said they took women back with them to Mars. So they were sick and tired of not having women. That's another thing they complained about. This is an ancient text. They complained about not having women and they took. So these are the gods, these are the sons of God, the sons of Anu that made it with the daughters of men in the Old Testament of the Bible. And he had sons by him, had kids by him. Incredible stuff. That is incredible stuff. Um, has there been like any contact? I think between governments, I think the government has been in contact with the people that are on mm-hmm. the move. We were able to get the black box audio tapes through the Freedom of Information Act for the Apollo 11 mm-hmm. mission. And the, and the uh, redacted printed documents from the black box. So we have the text and the actual audio. And on there, you hear one of the astronauts as they're passing over the moon, trying to get to their landing location. He says, look at those conical, um, uh, look at those conical craters. No, a conical mm-hmm. crater means, the word conical means dome. So you're looking at, he's saying, looking at, looking at the, look at those dome structures is what he's really saying in a way that's elusive to the average person, conical crater. And then Neil goes, wow, I bet the people down there never get out. Why would he say something like that? I mean, that. <laughs> That's pretty long. Would he say something like that? 
They sent a, moon, a mission up there before, uh, after that called the Clementine mission. The military did huh? this, uh, this Apollo. They said, we got to find out what this is going They sent this uh, low lunar orbit uh, satellite called Clementine. The first thing I did when I heard about this Clementine mission was I knew right away it, that meant it didn't come back. And as I began researching, guess what? It didn't come back. Why did I think it wasn't going to come back? Because when I heard the word Clementine, I knew the song right away. I'm a 70s baby. You know, so I heard these old songs. My mom used to play these folk songs. You know, all my daughters, Clementine, you were lost in forever. So that's the, that's the song saying that this woman left and never came back. So I knew right away that the Clementine mission was never going to come back. And at the end of my research, I discovered it never came back. It supposedly crashed on the far side of the moon. But it did send back thousands of images. And in all those images, guess what there is? Anomalies, crazy anomalies from that side. And another thing that the astronauts said was that when they went, when they were on that far side of the moon, that they heard singing coming in through their earpieces, like they were hearing, listening to a choir. This is well mm. documented, well, well documented. It's not even like a conspiracy. They heard it coming in through their, patched into their headsets, like singing coming in through their thing as they passed across the backside. Now, when you look into the ancient tablets, that sent me back to the tablets again. You find out that there's this war that uh, one of the nephews uh, started against the, uh, he broke some kind of code, kind of like uh, he broke a peace time or whatever. He started another war and he was defeated and he, him and his people were banished in the ancient text, Sumerian tablets, to go live on the moon. And that, that's where they were banished to. It's possible that that's a remnant of that civilization up there right now. Who knows? Living underground. Because when you look at the Chris Maroney from Mars Anomalies, one of the people in our group, he looked at the USGS uh, ground penetrating radar data and saw that about 30 meters beneath the surface, there's gigantic steel beams up there. And that's directly downloaded with no editing. You can just see them. So it's incredible. Wow. So I put the substructures there. That's why it rang like a bell. It's been hollowed out, and I think there's people living up there. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, the moon, right? And that's because I've heard of that theory where it's 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 like a structure it's hollow inside right so right. and so they they dug it out because i was wondering it's like okay how can uh, there was this thing that something hit the moon and it just like rung like it was mm -hmm. empty or hollow inside yeah they smashed uh, one of the capsules into the moon and just to see what would happen seismically and it rang like a bell for hours which and if you look at all of the craters on the moon you start to go, wait a minute, how come all these craters are the same depth? What's beneath that depth? Then you go, wait a minute, why are all the craters direct hits? How come nothing hit and slid into a position? How come there's no skid marks of these asteroids or whatever, comets hitting? Yeah. Everything is a direct hit? Come on, man. So, and then when you analyze, you, you take those craters and blow them up, there's always looks like a structure in the center of every single one. And when you look at the ridge of the crater, there's no ejector material. Where's the ejector material? Right. There's no ejector. So these yeah, are, I was wondering that too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of I just of didn't give it much thought. Yeah, it's crazy. So, well, in my mind, wouldn't have, wouldn't, you can't just, wouldn't it be like a metallic material then? Or something? I think there's more. Or something to sustain itself? Or maybe if it's orbiting, it'll, I don't know how that works. I but. think that there's uh, a substructure, metallic substructure, 
of some advanced type of material, probably holding, a, with, you know, some type of interior uh, base that's underneath the surface. I don't know okay. if it's, we don't know if it's completely hollow, hollow, hollow all the way out, and that's a lot of mass. Right. But but there could be these gigantic honeycomb type of steel steel uh, encased bases underneath right. the surface. You know that anybody can live. Yes, yeah, it's not like a ball that's right. empty inside. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So, so that so basically, it's not like a a piece of asteroid or you know something like that that turned into a moon. Um, something, someone created it. It seems like it was created, and it used to orbit this Tiamat planet. We okay. pulled it along with us, and I think a lot of that debris that's on top of the moon surface, in terms of what, in other words, the dust or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. came from this explosion. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Mars, Mars used to orbit Tiamat. This can be traced back. Now, scientists know that the way Mars orbit is, you can go in reverse, and you can go all the way back as far as you want in reverse. The computer will create the simulation, and you discover that Mars used to orbit something, and it used to orbit the planet, which is now the asteroid belt. When it blew apart, a big chunk of that hit Mars on one side, the side that was, it was facing, and that's why one side of Mars is charred, and the other side is smooth. And then Mars got released into this weird elliptical orbit that's in this very strange orbit where sometimes it's only 40 million miles away, and sometimes it's like 180 million miles away, depending on the period. And that's because it was slingshot out from explosion. It was released from this orbit that it had around, the, around Tiamat. Uh, you know, so when you start looking into all the science data and then matching with the ancient texts, everything paints, paints the picture of, a, of, of a advanced civilizations that were here and maybe even some survivors on some of these moons planets in our solar system. So, um, going back a bit, um, you know, I've heard of some some Marines having claimed they've served on Mars. Yeah, mm-hmm. and participated in yeah, participated in wars. Yeah. So, any photographic evidence, or can you tell us a, a little bit about that? Well, we don't have any photographic evidence. At least I've never seen any photographic evidence. But what we do have is a lie detector test from at least one person. So Captain Randy, who, clears the, who claims to have been on one of these 20-year missions, 20 years in back missions, he took a lie detector test, independently sourced. Uh, I think he took two of them, actually, and he passed them. So that makes you go, wait a minute, this guy's passing lie detector tests about this kind of crazy con- you know, con- conspiracy information. Either he truly believes it in his heart to the point where, where it's so real to him that he passed or it really did happen. I think, I think in, my, in my opinion, something had to happen that you don't just pass tests like that. Uh, and it was, he, he didn't volunteer. They, somebody said, we to continue the story on our network, we're going to have to give you um, lie detector tests. And so he agreed to it and he passed. So, wow. Yeah. That's pretty well. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, why why do we need like a military on Mars, or why would there be? I don't know. Well, yeah, why wouldn't we need? It could be for you know, there could be animal wild animals there. There could be other uh, beings that are not coming to Earth because you know we're kind of psychopathic over here. But they could mm-hmm. be saying, okay, we'll, that's we'll, true. Yeah, from time to time we'll visit Mars as a research. It's kind of rough. Yeah, it's kind of rough. Go to Mars Humans are rough here. Research, you know? So yeah. They could be researching the planet. It could be other entities from other places researching the planet. 
hanging out over there or whatever. And just for security purposes and being able to secure any civilization that decides to, from Earth that wants to go there, they could be establishing some type of a, you know, a way station that protects. You know, you got billionaires headed there, you know, and um, I think they're trying to protect those billionaires, you know. One last question, uh, yeah. and then we'll. Um, so Elon Musk, he's outlined a, a plan to take hundreds of thousands of people to Mars on a one-way trip. Yeah. Um, so if your claims are true, then what will happen when they arrive on the red planet, which isn't really red, uh, and see people there already? Yeah. So, you know, these people are high-level people. They've already been um, briefed, or debriefed, I should say. Uh, and they've already signed gag orders and everything else. Um, there's already an infrastructure, in my opinion, being built and set up on Mars. I think they're 3D printing homes, just like they use, like the guy in Japan does. He, he, he 3D prints about 10 to 12 homes a day, entire homes. Yeah, and uh, it's something that he even, he even 3D printed his own warehouse that he uses to make the homes in. And this gigantic That's well. regolith and just literally makes this mold of a property, even leaves out cutouts for electric uh, components and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe that that's going on. Uh, Infrastructure is being built. Um, everything's being set up. And I think that to keep the rest of the world away from knowing what's truly up there, and the reason why they're going on a one-way mission, because they don't want anybody coming back and, and giving out the information, is uh, they're going to go up there and paint the picture of the people, um, uh, Columbus, in a way. You know, he discovered the, he's the first one to land here, but in true reality, he's not. And they'll be waving at the camera. And from a tin, in front of a tin can and in front of a big spacesuit, inside of a big spacesuit. And then when the camera goes off, they're going to take that stuff off and go behind the hill and go down into their nice, beautiful underground base. Billionaires are not going to leave the creature comforts of Earth to go live in a tin can until they die. That's a prison sentence. That's a prison sentence. Yeah, that's a prison sentence. They are going to a place that's, trust me, well set up for them to be adventurers that they are and everything else. But at the same time, there's going to be some creature comforts and some luxury when they get. That's pretty well stuff. A lot of good information, Billy, a lot of things to think about. Um, a lot of it kind of resonates with what I see. I, I, I don't see that aspect, but I see the resonance and you know how I work. And then you're just bringing in, you know, your information on it too, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, any closing thoughts, comments, uh, your, 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 I know I follow you on Instagram for, oh, for the number four bidden knowledge, mm-hmm. really cool, really cool stuff, really cool information. So yeah. you might want to check that out. Yeah. We just got to 1 million followers, uh, last night, actually, we just hit 1 million there, which is great. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. It took seven years, you know, all organic, mm-hmm. all no, no bots and all this other crazy stuff. It took seven years to get to a million. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Not because I got a million followers, because I call them, I call all my followers leaders. I got a million leaders, but mm-hmm. I'm excited because it means a lot of people are starting to wake up. They're not afraid to click the follow button before they would follow me by manually going. Now they're clicking the, the you know, they're clicking the follow button to get the updates yeah. information. And it shows I me get that, that too. going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that too. People following me, but they don't want to follow me. Right. Exactly. You know, until I get more and more momentum, you know, and it's like, oh, this shit's real. And then it's like, yeah, okay, I'll quit. Yeah, I get that too. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a um, Egyptian mystery school December 7th and 8th. You can find that information in the link in my bio on Forbidden Knowledge or go to forbiddenknowledge.com. 
We just did a mystery school, which was phenomenal. Uh, a few weeks ago at Dame Dash Studios, um, mm-hmm. 12 hours, 12 hours of intense teaching and training and learning in the Egyptian mysteries. Uh, over awesome. Two days time. And we're doing another one December 7th and 8th. So you can register for that. Seats are limited. So if you can get in there and register, uh, I tell you to do it in a hurry because it's going to be full soon and we won't be able to do it like the last time we had to tell people they couldn't come in. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, fantastic conversation. Thanks a lot, uh, Billy. Appreciate it. Uh, and as we end, guys, notice what you notice and then notice the details of what you're noticing. Take care.